We are back. It's the Joe Holka Show presented by Line Movement. It is the divisional round, finally. We made it through the wildcard weekend, which was an interesting six-game slate of games. Obviously, DraftKings decided to split that up into two slates, which wasn't ideal. This week, we do have one large slate, two games on Saturday, two games on Sunday. Uh, so I'll be uh, definitely enjoying that for sure on the DFS side of things. We'll talk a little bit of sports betting today also, but... I do have Rich Rebar with us, obviously a regular guest, an absolute staple on the Joe Holka show. Rich, how was your uh, wild card weekend, my friend? I know we were chatting like uh, just quickly before we hit the go live button here, uh, but I'm curious here, your uh, experience on what was, uh, I guess, a historic wild card weekend. Six games was kind of fun, but kind of not fun in a lot of ways as well. How are you doing? Yeah, good, man. I hope you're doing well. Yeah, the six games was fun to have, and then about midway Sunday, I kind of hit a wall. It was mm-hmm. a lot. It was a lot after a while to just keep going in on the 10 hours. Of a while. I know uh, everyone probably loved it, though, but I did hit a wall there a little bit. But uh, Saturday was great. Sunday, not so great. Uh, but, you know, hey, we'll take what we can get. We've got, what, two more weekends where we can kind of really have some fun. This is kind of like the last kind of they made it. What we've got a four game slate yeah. and all the main all the main action is kind of uh, over both days. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we've got kind of this last fun four game or we'll have two games the week after and then just the single game Super Bowl, which is never asked quite as fun, but it's our last taste. Yeah, the kind of uh, wall that I hit, to be completely honest, was that like we go through like all of Saturday, almost like it's a Sunday, right? So like did the, all the normal yeah. shows and then I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I, got, I got to turn around and do this again tomorrow because it's Sunday and it was all like different <laughs> slates, right? Most people focused on either the Saturday or the Sunday slate, not both yeah. them together. So basically did a back to back Sunday thing, which was a lot better in theory uh, than actually in practice, obviously watching football all day long. The showdown slates have been a lot of fun. Uh, this is going to be a week, though, I think we can focus a little bit bit more on the four game slate going to do the video a little bit differently uh, but I think you guys will enjoy it uh, talking through I guess some options with you earlier uh, today Reeves I think the best way to kind of go about it is just to go through each game and give like one player we think he has like a, a really strong matchup or maybe just as a really interesting player for this slate in general so we'll give uh, some bets at the end some of our favorite bets of the entire weekend and we'll try and uh, get through at least one player that we think is interesting from each game so let, let's start with uh, game number one we have the Rams at the Packers. This is a Saturday afternoon game. Another thing that's really annoying with this week because all the times are going to be different. So if anyone's watching this video, definitely check out uh, the events that are already up for my Saturday stream and for my Sunday stream. It is going to be a little bit different in terms of schedule this week. So check that out. But this game, 45 and a half point over under the Packers are six and a half point home favorites per blitzbet.eu. By far the lowest total on the slate, Reeves. The under still getting 67% of the money. So outside of that, though, not a lot of, uh, I guess, sharp activity going on earlier in the week. Uh, So this is a game that I'm definitely interested in. uh, But in terms of, like, finding assets uh, from a fantasy perspective, it's not great outside of maybe maybe Cam Akers. So I guess that's the guy that you want to talk about. Couldn't be more in agreement on my end. Yeah, I mean, these we got we did end up with a really good slate of four games. Uh, you know, obviously from a selling stance, this game is not as extremely the most endearing from a fantasy stance, but it's easy to sell from the NFL. Number one defense versus leagues, number one offense. Easy to sell, package this game up uh, for some intrigue. And it, it definitely is going to be an intriguing game. But like you said, lowest total. This Rams offense also has just four offensive touchdowns in their last 45 possessions. Um, you know, how will the Packers perform? They've, they're going up against the best defense they face by far this season. Uh, and the last time we've seen them against an operational defense was all the way back in week six, really, against the Bucks, And they did not really perform, you know, 10 points in that game. 
But the one guy that does kind of stand out, you know, uh, is Cam Akers and where he's priced on both sites, especially, you know, real just easy to fit in to whatever you want to do. Uh, line up construction wise and get to whatever asset you want, even with a little price bump last week. I still don't think was enough because he's just been a supreme workhorse. You look at his past four games played. Uh, he's got 22, 31, 16, and 25 touches uh, for 612 yards over that four-game sample. Over that same sample, other Rams running backs have totaled just 29 touches, period, with just one back, Malcolm Brown, last week having more than five touches in a game alongside with Akers. And he's also de- adding, you know, a little bit of sprinkling in the receiving game. You know, he has at least 22 receiving yards in four of those five games, and he's got 52 and 45 receiving yards the past two games. So you're getting some of those, like, a little, little bit of air mileage tacked on to his supreme workload and this run-first offense that they've kind of developed into down the final quarter of the season here, the Rams. Um, you know, look at last week, he had 176 total yards against the Seattle defense. That was 10th in the league in yards per carry allowed to running backs and 10th in the league in rushing points allowed to running backs. This week, he trades that top 10 matchup for Green Bay defense that's 17th in yards per carry allowed to running backs and 20th in rushing points allowed per game to running backs at 13.6. I will mention that the Packers, their final two games of the year, they did close strong against Derrick Henry and, you know, David Montgomery, who kind of, you know, came back to earth those last two weeks. Uh, limiting them to 176 rushing yards on 45 carries as some food for thought. But, you know, this offense has devolved into just running it through Cam Akers this final quarter of the season. 5,700 reaps. Like, what what were they thinking with this price tag? I mean, just looking at the volume alone, it seems like uh, just like a mispricing, if anything. So uh, Cam Akers was a guy that we were pretty heavy on in our community last week. I would expect that to be pretty similar this week. I think that a lot of people are going to try and talk themselves into Devin Singletary or try and talk themselves into Leonard Fournette if we get no Ronald Jones. But I think just paying a little bit more for Akers and that safety, like I, I don't think that this game is going to be especially interesting to like stack up, especially not even just because of the over-under, more just because it's game number one. Why burn an asset in this game? Obviously, we have Devontae Adams against Jalen Ramsey, if you care about that sort of thing. There's a lot of different dynamics here that I think we're going to have to sift our way through. But stacking it up is something that I, I can't really see myself doing uh so let, let's uh let's keep working through this reeves game number two at ravens at bills it's a 50 point over under the bills are currently a two and a half point home favorite per blissbet.eu second lowest total on the slate so these saturday games definitely expected to be a little bit lower scoring but uh, the bills do own the uh, third highest team total on that side so take that for what it's worth 62 percent of the money is currently on the ravens only 47 percent of the tickets but there does seem to be a decent amount of sharp activity on the under again in this one reeb so um, i think a, a key topic on these this game and the next game is going to be these elite tight ends right so we have mark andrews at 5k mm-hmm. we have travis kelsey at 7800 it sounds like mark andrews is the guy that you're interested in this game though for Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And this game's got a few pieces that are intriguing. I will say, uh, you know, the, the Hulk's boy, Stefan Diggs, came through for him again. Uh, Stefan Diggs is, has a chance to tie an NFL record. Uh, he has six or more catches in 14 straight games. If he does uh, it again this week, it'll tie the record uh, in NFL history. Of, Reeves, uh, let me stop you. Are, are we just jamming him in a captain again? Like the people want to know. They don't even, <laughs> they, they can't even take me seriously at this point. Cause it's like, it's barely even a bit, but like if I go out there and I just play all Stefan Diggs captains, am I just going to get absolutely buried or what's going to happen? 
No, I think you're good. I mean, the, the Ravens have only really faced like four good wide receiver ones this season, and three of them have gotten over. Well, two, twice A.J. Brown scored a touchdown against them, and Tyreek. The other one was Will Fuller. Uh, the only four wide receivers they faced that were top 12 in points per game this season. So why not? I mean, Diggs might as well just change his, the S and his last name to a dollar sign for you. It, the, the brand is intact then. I, I, I just go out there and tell people to play Stefan Diggs on the captain if he's a terrible play, man. So it's, uh, it's the Reeb stamp of approval. So when it goes wrong, I get to blame you. And not myself this is perfect yeah I, i'm listening i've been taking the brunt of, of people's mistakes for a long time <laughs> uh, but yeah you know circling back to mark andrews he's the piece that here that stands out from a matchup stance you know last week he had just the, caught four of six targets for 41 yards he still 25 percent of the team targets and that's kind of the mark andrews and marquise brown way i mean these guys have to uh, make the most of a low volume passing game. They're going to be high in terms of team target share. They're the only two guys that really get targeted in that offense. But man, Mark Andrews has at least four receptions in each of his past seven games after having hit that number in just two of his opening eight games of the season. So some more opportunity has found him from the start of the season. Um, he also just has a great opportunity to make his targets stick this week. Opposing teams have targeted their tight ends 23.6% of the time against the Bills. That's the fourth highest rate in the league. On those targets, the Bills are 23rd in catch rate allowed at 70.3%, 20th in yards per target, 7.6%, 18th in touchdown rate allowed uh, at 6.8%. And then we're coming off a game where they just allowed the Colts tight ends to catch 14 of 16 targets for 136 yards and a touchdown a week ago. So while everyone's going to want to jam Kelsey in for good reason, this could be one of those two tight end slates uh, this week uh, because Kelsey – is a wide receiver anyways but exactly. uh you know it could be one of those unique ways to build lineups this week going in on both mark andrews and travis kelsey i, I think what is even like kind of another feather in the cap of, of playing mark andrews is that people are kind of going to get a little bit of a i guess a false sense of security in some ways because marquise brown has finally gotten there people yes. like love to play marquise brown like last year and at parts of the beginning of this year and then people were completely out on him now all those people are back in on him so maybe we just go uh, to mark andrews like you said the matchup sets up really strong. So I'm going to keep this moving Reeves because these two games on Sunday, definitely a little bit more uh, interesting uh, from a points perspective. And just, I think there's a little bit more to dive into. So game number three, we have Browns at Chiefs in this one. It's a 57 point over under the Chiefs are minus 10 and a half point favorites at home per blitzbet.eu by far and away the top over under on the slate. The Chiefs also running away with it on the team total side as well, implied for 33.75 points. So just under 34 points for the Chiefs on this one. The under getting a little bit of love here, 60% of the money so far, only 16% of the betting tickets. So Reeves, people, at least the public, they want this game to go absolutely crazy, right? So the sharp money does appear to be trending Kansas City's direction, even though uh, it is a nice uh, double-digit spread on this one. So Travis Kelsey, 7,800. He's the guy you want to touch on in this game. But also, like, isn't that's one of the lower ticket counts I can see uh, on an under. Like, People just want this game to go nuts. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the the Browns this season as well, they've only faced they've only had six games this season against teams in the top half of, of offensive EPA generated. And two of those games, the Raiders and the Texans, games I think we talked about on this show, ended up running into inclement weather. If you just remove those two weather games and you look at the other four games from the sample size, those games have averaged 66 combined points. Um, wow. So there, there's a reason why this game total is high. Uh, the Browns haven't stopped any, like, they haven't really faced a lot of good offenses, and the ones that they have faced, they've given up a ton of points, and they've been able to score points themselves as well. Um, but when you look at the way teams have combated the Chiefs this season, our guy Dan Pazuta wrote an article about this at sharpballanalysis.com. They face two, two high safeties more than any team in the NFL this season. And what that has done is allowed Travis Kelsey to just wreak havoc 
havoc on the NFL this season. You already have a good player, but because teams are scared to just get beat over the top by the Chiefs, Travis Kelsey is just just murdering teams in the middle of the field this season uh, against the, those two high looks. I mean, he's coming off a historical season, caught 105 balls, uh, broke the tight end record for 1,400 uh, – 1, I can't even get it out – 1,416 yards uh, – you know, on the season uh, with 11 touchdowns and missed the game, sat out the last game of the season. Said whatever. Didn't need it. Averaged Needed a, the rest. <laughs> averaged a career high 13 and a half yards per catch. Uh, his 9.8 yards per target were the most since his first year playing in the NFL. Uh, now he gets uh, a Browns defense uh, that is 28th in targets faced uh, against tight ends, uh, seven and a half per game. They are 25th in catch rate opposition, 15th in yards allowed per target, uh, and they're allowing an 8.3 touchdown rate to tight ends, which is 26th in the league, coming off of allowing Eric Ebron to have just a 7 for 62 and a touchdown on Sunday night as well. So as teams have been really kind of trying to prevent giving up the Chiefs scoring in one play, two play drives, uh, it's really taken a great player and just elevated and made him a bonkers player this season in Travis Kelsey. Man, that price tag is tough, but on this slate, especially if you're stacking up this game, Reeves, like the other side of the wall, the Cleveland guys are so underpriced, right? Like we have, even if you wanted to play Kelsey as a bringback and play Baker in this game, like this is a game that I think that a lot of people are going to be gravitating towards. I kind of wish it wasn't game number three because it's kind of in the middle. Like this would have been a great like uh, fourth game to target because then you could kind of see how the slate was going. If you're doing well, you can play your Chiefs. If you're not doing well, maybe you get stack up Cleveland on the other side. So it's it's kind of an interesting dynamic. Richard Hitting is hey, is 4,100 Jarvis Landry 5,600 like the difference between Baker and Mahomes like Mahomes is 8k Baker's 5,300 so like both sides of the ball like if, if it's going to be a game that goes nuts or at least you think that the game script's going to be in their favor it's super interesting one, one other thing that I'll add to it is that I think they're in, in terms of like false sense of security we talked about that with Hollywood Brown but Kareem Hunt he's 4,800 people see him get in the end zone twice last week he also only touched the ball nine times. So it's not mm -hmm. like he's getting like crazy volume. It's not like he's really even getting uh, a crazy amount of work in the receiving game. Two straight games, he's only had one target. Uh, so do you have a, uh, any takes on any of these guys on the Cleveland side? Because I know the price tags are there, but I I'm actually a little bit worried about Kareem Hunt versus some of those other guys. Yeah, I love Baker as an alternative to stash in this game. I mean, you look at the Chiefs, their their defense has struggled down the stretch of the season. Uh, you know, you look at the first uh, eight games of the season, allowed 6.6 .6 yards per attempt, 15.2 fantasy points per game, uh, just nine passing touchdowns. Over the back half of the season, that's seven and a half yards per attempt, 20 passing touchdowns, 23 and a half points per game. Uh, Baker's hot. They've allowed multiple touchdown passes in all eight of those games. Uh, you you kind of hit the, the nail on the head with Kareem Hunt. He's you know the touchdown equity that he's produced and had some of these spike weeks that uh, that have kind of massaged some of his low points. He's been out touched by Nick Chubb sixty nine to thirty seven over the past four games. Uh, so I mean, if you don't get into the paint with Kareem Hunt, I mean the, the, the opportunities have not really been there. It's hard to argue on a short slate at forty eight hundred for a guy that has the type of ceiling he has shown and he still has you know we go back to the Ravens game a couple weeks ago and that game popped in the, the 40s uh that was his other you know high ceiling game multiple touchdowns over 100 yards from scrimmage mm -hmm. so in a in like so like when you're talking about price and ceiling I don't really have pushback there but the floor is is obviously it's been a lot lower than people have thought definitely over the back half of the season especially since week 10 when Nick Chubb returns the lineup
definitely a game we're going to have to get right. Uh, so I think that starting with Travis Kelsey, uh, definitely a spot that I think makes a ton of sense. So let's move on to game number four. We have Bucks at Saints. We have the Breeze versus Brady showdown. Third time these guys have met this year. So it is in the Superdome on Sunday night, 52 point over under the Saints are minus three point home favorites in this one per blitzbet.eu. Second highest total on the slate, the Saints trail only Kansas City with a team implied total of 27 and a half. It does look like the under has been catching some steam here though, Reed. 72% of the money, only 22% of the bet. So a lot of dollars on the under in this one. Alvin Kamara, everyone wants to talk about Kamara. I mean, we don't have a ton of workhorse backs on this slate to choose from anyways, but it couldn't be a worse matchup. This Tampa Bay team has really uh, done a good job at bottling up uh, some of these even pass-catching running backs. So uh, thoughts on uh, Kamara at 7,900. We do get a little bit of a price discount. And like I said, there's not a lot of uh, kind of volume-heavy running backs on this slate in general. Yeah, this game is intriguing. The reason why that that, that Browns game is first too is because there's no way they're not closing out with Brady and Breeze. Exactly. Uh, the rate the ratings bonanza that this could be. I mean, this was the lock of all locks to be in this time slot. Uh, but you know, look at Kamari came off the COVID list last week, didn't even practice. And the Saints just immediately gave him no restrictions again. He had 25 touches for 116 yards, scores 22nd touchdown of the season. Uh, the interesting thing about Kamara is that prior to week 16, he had never had 20 rushing attempts in any NFL game in his in ever. Just never had it. And wow. the past two games, he's had 22 and 23 rushing attempts. Uh, those past games, another one coming off COVID last week, uh, especially with no practice. Now, production on the ground is absolutely going to be a tall order here. I mean, Tampa Bay forces teams to be one-dimensional. Uh, they face the fewest amount of rushing attempts per game from backfield, 16.5. They allow a league-low 3.2 yards per carry to running backs. And Kamara himself in the two games versus the Bucks this season rushed 21 times for just 56 yards. Not very endearing, but he did score a touchdown in each game. He had two touchdowns in week one, should have had a third, but kind of showboated uh, and got called out of bounds, uh, you know, short of the goal line, which we all wanted. That was the play, I believe, Michael Thomas got hurt on uh and hurt his ankle back in week one uh but Tampa Bay has allowed 10.9 PPR receiving points per game to opposing running backs it's 28th in the league they've allowed a league high six receptions per game to running backs and we go back to these two games with Kamara. he had five catches in each of those games uh and he has at least five catches in all eight of his career games against the Buccaneers uh with a 53 for 465 and three touchdowns receiving line over his career so I mean there a lot of pieces aren't glowing from this game uh, but, you know, this matchup in totality doesn't give him a lot of leeway on the ground, but there still is a path for him to be a big focal point of the receiving matchup uh, in this game. One thing that I guess is kind of interesting about the workload is we did see Latavius Murray go down with an injury at parts of last game. So maybe that gets at least a few more touches there. But I'm with you. Like he's been seeing so much volume that I think I'm probably going to end up eating that price tag. The decisions you're going to have to make is if you pay up for Kamara, it's really tough to get in Chiefs after that. So that's going to be an interesting dynamic. I think that might as well say it now. One of my favorite bets of this entire week is the under in this game. I mean, anytime you see that larger of a percentage on the money, not a lot of uh, overall people on the bet over. Overall, I'd rather be on the sharp side of that. Uh, so, Reeves, any uh, bets stand out to you across just the divisional round? Uh, we can circle back to a couple of these other games if you want as well. Yeah, I mean, I listen, I, from what I hit upon earlier with that Browns game, I actually think that even the, the lofty point total, the over, is the, is the absolute play there. Wow. Uh, because, yeah, I mean, you look at the Browns, like I said, any good offense, competent offense they face, the, the, the game has gone over and they've given up a bunch of points. And their offense has also been hyper-aggressive of late. I mean, you look at the Browns, 
you know, since they've come out of the out of that, you know, inclement weather, you know, stretch of the, that three week stretch, they've actually been throwing the ball aggressively. A lot of people think they're just going to turtle and try to use their backs in this game. But that has not been the Browns M.O., you know, the, to, to close the season. I mean, through 11 weeks, they had thrown the ball in just 46 percent of their first and second down plays outside the fourth quarter. That was 29th in the league from week 12 on. That is 59 percent. It's the ninth highest rate in the league on those passes. Baker Mayfield, uh, 66 percent passing rate, eight touchdowns. Touchdowns, one interception, 7.9 yards per attempt. I actually believe they're going to come come out similar to like what the Raiders, the both times they played the Chiefs, because uh, they're a very similar kind of offense to the Raiders. A lot of play action, a lot of uh, the people think they're run first, uh, and they can give the Chiefs some problems as well being aggressive. Uh, I think that teams are going to approach playing the Chiefs like they have. They're going to be more conservative on defense, make the Chiefs have to run a bunch of plays instead of you running a bunch of plays. Uh, so, I mean, I do think the Browns will be aggressive. I think that that game, is, it sounds like a square bet, but I do believe that that game is a really good shot to go over the point total. On Saturday, I I don't want to be the ruiner and make things fun, but I do like both unders on yeah, Saturday. Same. No one, I mean, no one, no one wants to go into it and say, "Man, I'm looking at this slate of games, and I'm just going to bet both unders and just cheer for nothing to happen in these <laughs> games." I get it. I totally understand. Um, I do like the Bills as as well as a short side. I know a lot of people are hot on the Ravens for good reason. I do think the Bills do match up well with the Baltimore Ravens uh, as well. You look at going back to last year, the, the, the Bills did get, have a really good game plan against the Ravens in Buffalo a year ago. They held Lamar Jackson just 40 yards rushing, his second lowest total of the season. I know that that was a year ago, but they still have a lot of the same personnel, the same coaching. Uh, I think they're going to borrow a lot of things that they took from that game a year ago and be able to apply them. And we might get some bad weather in that game too. I don't know. With it, There's been rumors about it early in the week, but as always, you know, stick a pin in that until Saturday night. Yeah, we'll keep an eye on the weather uh, definitely as the week progresses here. I want to mention to people that I've been doing a, a predictions video for each round with Sigmund Bloom. I went five and one last week. Sig went three and three, so he's looking for a little bit of revenge. So everyone should check out this video right here to see uh, what teams I'm on, what team Sig is on for this week. Reeves, I'm going to put you on the spot, though, because I, I want to hear just your straight okay. up uh, for each game who wins. I'm on Packers, Bills, Chiefs, and Bucks. Where does Retrieve Bar stand? Yeah, I, I am on the same with you, except for I will take the Saints. Uh, I'm, I mean, all chalk, I guess, which yeah. definitely won't be right. Uh, but uh, I just like all those spots the most. It, it makes me feel good that you're with me on the Bills. I just want the Bills to win. I, I, that's more of like a, a I, I love watching them. Obviously, I want as many showdown slates as I can get with Stefan Diggs. I <laughs> uh, bought a Stefan Diggs rookie card recently. So I'm just all in on the Bills uh, in a lot of ways, man. But uh, appreciate you doing this, Rich Rebar. Everyone follow him on Twitter at Lord Reeves. Obviously, check out everything that's going on at sharpfootballanalysis.com. Rich, any final words, my friend? That's it. Just uh, If you want to read more about other players in this game that I couldn't get to, everything is free at sharpfootballanalysis.com. I wrote up all these games, and if you were looking for a specific player for me to talk about, you'll find it there. Free stuff. Uh, always a, a good time, man. I appreciate these conversations each and every week. Definitely look forward to this segment. I think this is a good way to go about it. Uh, we'll see uh, what happens next week, but uh, best of luck, my friend. Uh, definitely uh, enjoy the games. The Joe Holka Show presented by Line Movement. It is the division round. We didn't have Harmon uh, last week, a little bit of a scheduling difficulty there. So happy to have him back with us to talk through some wide receivers. Normally, we're going through some wide receiver sleepers, some super thin guys at the bottom, telling you guys not to play some of these Jets wide receivers. At least Harmon's telling me not to play the Jets wide receivers. I didn't always <laughs> listen to him. Uh, but you know him from Yahoo Sports, he's at Matt Harmon underscore BYB on Twitter. Make sure you follow him if you haven't already. 
man, we were just talking about it. We might as well just talk about all the best plays on the slate, which happen to be wide receivers in the division round. But uh, before we get there, man, how was your wildcard weekend experience? I know things are a little bit lighter for you this time of year, so I hope you at least enjoyed watching the games. Oh, absolutely love it. Uh, there's there's nothing better than playoff football, man, not just because it's playoff football. And outside of the Bears, you've got all the best teams uh, out there. But it's also just so refreshing to, you know, not have – if you're if you're me, you're not having a bunch of people assaulting you about your uh, fantasy rankings or whatever that yeah. week for their season long leagues. It's like let's just enjoy the games. Uh, so it's nice, you know, not having to do a Sunday show then a Sunday night recap podcast. It's good to actually sit back and enjoy the games and just take them in for what they are. And I, I love the slate this year. I don't know about you, man, but the super wild card weekend, like having these extra games. Yeah, we got stuck with the Bears, but you know we get stuck with some crappy teams every now and again in the playoffs, but having the Colts as a part of it in the AFC going against the Bills. I, I'm so in on this Bills team, man. I mean, you know, Same. I'm a Stephon Diggs guy. <laughs> you, you know, I know that you are too now at this point. Like, I was on my feet for the last like 20 minutes of that game. I really want this team to do well this year. I think that's part of this like whole experience. Like, yeah, things tail back a little bit. Obviously, DFS is still rolling. There's a lot of stuff going on that you can be doing to kind of speculate on like the fantasy aspect of it. But still, oh, yeah. we get to sit back. At least for me, I don't get to watch like games as closely because Red Zone's on. There's other things going on. There's content. There's late swaps. There's whatever it is. But now I get to actually sit back and watch like a full football game at the same time. So watching a guy like Stefan Diggs go out there and just absolutely dominate on the big stage. I mean, I'm just I'm really just pulling for this this Bills team in general because I. I think they're a lot of fun. They seem loose. Uh, I mean, I was pretty heavy on the Ravens overall last week. It's across the industry. So I'm kind of bummed that they're playing against each other this week. But yeah, man, it's a great time of year just to be a football fan. Sometimes uh, we get lost a little bit in all the content, the rankings, all that stuff. People getting upset Definitely. with us on Twitter for all the, basically anything. Uh, but yeah, man, it, it's a good time. I'm excited for this weekend in particular. I think that the it could just basically come down to these elite wide receivers. So we're going to talk through a couple of your favorites. We're going to start with Stefan Diggs, though. 7,300. I know you're always willing to riff on him. Uh, thoughts on him in this spot specifically, though, against Baltimore? You know, I feel like going into the playoffs, people were not willing to put the Ravens up as one of the best defenses in the NFL. We hadn't really seen that type of performance when they played good teams. I mean, they had a really soft schedule down towards the end of the year and really the only good team that they played when they made their playoff run was the Cleveland Browns and we saw that turn into a back and forth point trading affair uh, I thought last week would be more of that with the Titans but you know their offense was they're obviously going to be a little hot and cold are the Ravens because of the way that they're built uh, but I thought the Titans would find more success against their defense than they did and you could argue some of the play calling or whatever but I just think their defense stepped it up that being said I think this Bills offense is probably going to get the better of this matchup. You know, you look at Stefan Diggs as that vertical player. Um, there were still holes in that second year. I mean, the biggest one that you could point out was Ryan Tannehill really missed A.J. Brown streaking down um, the left side of the field on the last play, the, the interception that he threw that really kind of iced that thing. Uh, targeting, you know, somebody, I think it was like Khalif Raymond or something, one of those guys way down the depth chart when his number one receiver is open down the field. I think that was a miss on Tannehill. I think those opportunities will be there for Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs. Right. You know, I think this game is going to get very high scoring, and it's pretty tempting to think about, okay, not only Stephon Diggs, but what about, you know, John Brown, Gabe Davis, and some of these other guys. I, I, I really like the way this game sets up for fantasy. 
Yeah, the smoky brown thing, just obviously burning people with that zero uh, last week. I don't think there's going to be people that want to go back there. I, I think that my biggest like question, Harmon, is that a lot, everyone's basically telling me you want to attack Baltimore on the interior. So if Cole Beasley's healthy, like he's the guy, but they're moving digs around enough, right. and he's like this elite talent, right? He can win in any matchup. So you have any concerns that maybe just the pieces don't fit together seamlessly for this Buffalo team? I guess that's my only like real worry with the play. Well, I think that's what's great about Diggs is he is that player you can move around. That's such a good point by you, Joe, because um, the Ravens also, you know, if they're going to put somebody in the slot, usually it is Marlon Humphrey. Like that could be a situation where he just tracks Diggs around because he's their best corner or whatever. But like I I love that Diggs can line up inside. Some of his big plays too, I don't think they'll be quite (laughs) as aggressive as the Steelers were in terms of like backing off the defense and just giving those free releases over the middle of the field. But we have seen – uh, the Bills use digs in that way where they'll get him on crossers. They'll get him on those patterns to get him over the middle of the field and make plays in space. He's not just that vertical threat. You and I know uh, maybe better than anybody at this point that this guy can win at every, areas of the, at every area of the field. So I got no hesitations with digs even in this matchup. Like I said, I think the way that both – I think Buffalo, uh, their defense is really susceptible to the way – that uh, the Ravens will want to attack. You think about all of those big plays they let up against the Colts tight ends. That's kind of where Lamar wins, right? Over the middle of the field, that type of passing. Uh, We might talk about Marquise Brown a little bit later, but I kind of love the way that the Ravens offense sets up versus the Bills defense. Again, I think that's just going to push the point total in this particular game. Yeah, you, you mentioned it. Marquise Brown's 5,200. I think a lot of people are probably going to gravitate towards Mark Andrews in the better matchup, at least on paper. But I guess it's a tie a bow on Stefan Diggs, 7,300. That's a $700 savings off of Tyreek Hill. That's like mm-hmm. over $1,000 savings off of Devontae Adams in a tough matchup against this Rams defense. So definitely think that Diggs is one we're going to be talking about this entire week. Uh, but yeah, I'm curious what, what you think about Marquise Brown at 5,200. I, I was ho- hoping that maybe they would just price him up a little bit more because I'm, I'm still interested. If, like, the price is one that actually like fits pretty well. Maybe mini stacks with Stefan Diggs, Marquise Brown on the other side. Do you think that's like getting a little bit too cute when Andrews is like clearly the guy that should be eating in this spot? Not at all, because I love the way they used Brown last week. I feel like I must have said this on your show at different times of the year. I definitely said it on Fantasy Football Live and some of the other uh, Yahoo properties I went on. I harped on it on in, in my weekly columns all the time, but. The reason Brown was so unproductive in the first half of the season, beyond some of the mistakes he was making, you know, I always stand up for my guys, and I think Marquise Brown is sort of on the fringe of that territory. He's not, he's not at, the, at, the, at the penthouse suite in, like, the reception perception hotel, but he's got a key to get in the door for sure, and I, I want him to be moving up that list at some oh. point. I always stand up for my guys, but at the same time, there's no denying that Brown made some mistakes this year. I mean, some some horrible drops, uh, just some real bad situations in the open field, in the contested game. But that's really not his strength. I think they were forcing him into those situations too often. They were overusing him as a vertical threat, similar to you know to a situation that everybody can understand how this has changed in, in, in the following year. But like Curtis Samuel with the Carolina Panthers in 2019, just all vertical stuff. However, you think about Marquise Brown, and he's not quite the same player as Curtis Samuel in terms of the build and what he can do as a rusher. But Marquise Brown was a great route runner in college. He was a great route runner in his first season. He can get separation when you use him the right way. And I love the way they started getting him some of those layups. Those were big, big play arsenals uh, in his in his portfolio as a, as a collegiate player in Oklahoma, like making plays in space. We saw some of that 
uh, in this last game. And we saw a lot of that really in the second half of the season when Brown started scoring touchdowns. I think he scored in five of his last six games. The only game that didn't score, and he went 98 yards on the Jaguars in a game that the Ravens cruised to. Uh, so I, I like Brown right now. I think he's he's trending up in this offense, and I think this is the type of matchup again. If they don't just ask him to go out there and be and you know a, one of the outside receivers, they move him around to the slot, they put him in the backfield a little bit. Um, he can still win deep. We saw him win vertical passes last week, but I love the way they're using him too. And I, honestly, I think the Des Bryant signing is is kind of key for this because. They can put Dez and Boykin on the outside and then put Brown sort of in those situations to get more layup targets. I think that's been a big, big boost to his production. I expect it to continue this week against the Bills. It's a really interesting price tag for sure. So definitely going to kind of see where ownership drops on him as this week progresses. Uh, I can't let you get out of here without talking about Tyreek Hill, though, Matt, because he's AK. He's really expensive. The Browns did activate Denzel Ward from the COVID list. uh, So it's going to be an interesting way to see how they try and, uh, I guess, limit Tyreek Hill in this spot. Uh, Do you think that it's a decent spot to go back to Hill at AK? Is it just going to be Travis Kelsey season? I'm curious, I guess, in general, this spot against the Browns for Tyreek. There's only so much you can do. Right, right. I'm trying to limit a player like Tyree Kill. Uh, I, I love the way the Chiefs set up against this this uh, Brown secondary. You mentioned it. They bring back Denzel Ward. That's fine. They still have a lot of holes at slot corner. They still have a lot of holes at safety. Not a lot of team speed on the back end there. Uh, basically, if Miles Garrett doesn't play like an absolute superstar, and he has played like a superstar for much of this year, their defense is kind of banged on that back end. So I like Tyree Kill a lot. He's priced up. I get it, but it makes a ton of sense. Uh, for for him to be one of the core plays this week because of that matchup. It's, it's a team speed issue. Every, but every time someone lines up against Tyreek Hill, it's a team speed issue. But I think especially against this Browns defense, the Steelers were able to obviously create some passing numbers last week. And it wasn't always just necessarily in that dink and dunk fashion that they did, even though it took Ben Roethlisberger, I think, a career high 68 passes to get over 500 yards. I think you still saw enough that there are some holes in this defense that can be exploited. I just think Patrick Mahomes and these guys will be doing it from the whistle blow as opposed to like 30 minutes down 28 points uh, in the first half like the Steelers were. Right. Yeah, it's it's definitely a completely different situation than the Steelers offense. So that if they get uh, that far behind, uh, it's going to be a big problem. So I, I think that uh, what's kind of been benefit, obviously, uh, and Reeves mentioned this on, on the last segment, but uh, like Travis Kelsey, elite talent, all that stuff. But the fact that like people just refuse or at least try to refuse to let Tyreek Hill beat them deep. So they're just sitting back. There's just all this space in the middle uh, for Travis Kelsey. So um, that's obviously the largest total on the entire slate on the implied side. But also um, we do expect that game to shoot out in comparison to a couple of these other lower scoring games so we'll wrap with this Harmon. we'll keep it uh pretty tight here godwin and thomas they're priced similarly 6100 for godwin uh michael thomas is 6700 in game number four curious your thoughts on how you think that thomas looked last week uh wasn't used a ton but did get in the end zone and then godwin just left a ton of air yards on the field in this one godwin 12 targets only five catches for 79 yards kind of saves that day with the touchdown so do you have any preference between these guys because i know both of them are kind of in uh, your guys they're definitely ones that are probably uh in the hotel with you maybe not in the penthouse Uh, i I love that i'm gonna i'm gonna borrow that for me for sure i don't know where the hell that came from that's the first time i think i've ever uh made a hotel reference when talking about the players that i like Uh, who knows man it's the end of the it's the end of regular season you know we're all we're all transitioning into off-season mode but let me tell you what chris godwin you know he's not a mistake player but he did he's another guy made some drops missed some uh missed some opportunities in that game against washington that's really not 
who he is. You know, he's not a guy where that's something that we talk about very often. I, I think the fact that Brady went to that connection right away, I think that says something. Um, in this matchup against the Saints, I think you do kind of want to pick on them on the interior of the defense. When they've struggled this year, and I think the Saints have played extremely well, they struggled early parts in the early parts of the year covering tight ends, covering slot receivers. You know, Aaron Rodgers absolutely destroyed them. Uh, when they matched up the first time uh, earlier this year. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if Tampa Bay does that as well. You know, and it's interesting when we compare these two quarterbacks, I think this is why I come down on Chris Godwin's side, even though it's more crowded in Tampa Bay than New Orleans. Honestly, right now, we talk about this as a matchup of like these old men quarterbacks. Really, only one of them is playing like an old man. It, when we go back and look at the numbers from Brady's uh, season with the Bucks, I think we're all going to be surprised that this statistically was one of his better seasons. I, I just want to invest in this Bucks passing game right now. I don't mind if you stack Brady and Godwin or Brown or whatever, and then you run it back with Thomas because that Tampa Bay secondary has made some uh, some blowments, has blown some coverages, and even even Taylor Heineke, ODU's uh, finest was looking pretty decent against them last week. I think that the core of your plays should be around these Bucks wide receivers and not on Thomas. It's going to be a fun week uh, to watch some of uh, your guys uh, at the wide receiver position this week, Matt. So I appreciate it. Hotel's going to be partying, man. We're going yeah. <laughs> to have to have a cleanup crew come Monday morning. That's for sure. Well, you better get it out of your system, man, because I know you're going to be in the lab very soon, just locking yourself in a room, uh, charting wide receivers for reception perception. So it's something that I always look forward to each and every off season for sure. Going to be tailing you, probably buying some sports cards for basically everyone you like and uh, just going from there, man. That's the play. Uh, anything else you want to talk about, Matt? I, I, that's all I got, man. I appreciate the time. No, I'm Joe, I appreciate it. I think this is going to be another great weekend of football. Like, I really, we're in a time, especially in the AFC, where like, I could be cool with any of these teams winning the Super Bowl, man. And that always feels uh, pretty good. I'm, I'm looking forward to this weekend. Good stuff, man. Enjoy the games. Talk to you soon. Thanks, Don Joe. Awesome show today. Thanks for being here, everyone. Really appreciate it. If you could do me a huge favor and leave a rating and review on this podcast before you get out of here, would really appreciate it. it. Makes a huge difference on building up this new show. And hope to see you Sunday morning on YouTube, 9 a.m. Eastern Time, youtube.com slash Joe Holka. We'll walk through this entire slate again, do a little bit of Q&A with the community. Always a great time. <laughs>